This morning, I want you to open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the screen here. And today, I want to talk about something that we desperately need. I want to talk about something that we desperately need, and we're in short supply in our world today. We desperately need. We need this in all facets of our world. Nations need this. Marriages need this. Families certainly need this. Churches need this. We need this in our heart. But yet it's something very elusive. Even among Christians, sometimes what we're going to talk about today seems so elusive. Today I want to talk about peace. Don't you think we need peace? Maybe you're here today. Let me ask you this question. Are you at peace today? Or in your heart is there some war, some turmoil going on? Now, we've all known that, so don't feel guilty. We've all known those times when we're just struggling and reaching for peace, but we seem like we couldn't find it. But I want you to know you can find it today. 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, a great prophet, the Holy Spirit put words in his heart, in his mouth. I don't think you can improve on the beauty of these words. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Now let's look at this next title, Prince of Peace. Could you just, could we say that together, just Prince of Peace? Only the Holy Spirit could have come up with those, that great title. How many know that Jesus is our Prince of Peace? But read on, look, it says, of the increase of his government and peace, it's mentioned twice. The title Prince of Peace is mentioned, and then his government will usher in peace. How will it happen? It says, and of this peace, there will be no end. Now, you and I both have known times when we just felt so peaceful, and then all of a sudden, a tragedy came, or a storm came, or some difficulty, or something that you weren't, you didn't even know was going to come, and all of a sudden that you were robbed of that peace. But it said there's coming a day that his government and peace, notice on the screen, there will be no end. Don't you long for that day? There'll be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The father of John the Baptist, his name was Zechariah. The Holy Spirit came on him, and he said this prophecy. This is Luke 1. Look on the screen again. And you, child, that's John the Baptist, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord, that's Jesus, to prepare his way, to give the knowledge of salvation his people the remission of, of their sins. Through the tender mercy 
of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. I love this next phrase. To guide our feet into the way of peace. I want to speak for a few moments this morning, a few minutes this morning that is entitled the message, Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Father, today I I come before your presence. I know, these people know, that we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. For Lord, it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. I pray that you would be with this speaker today. That, Lord, you'd give me the exact words that you want me to say. And, Lord, help me to know how to say them. I pray for the hearts and the ears of the listener today. That they would also have an anointing. That they may receive your peace. They may receive your mercy. They may receive your grace. Father, remind us today that you love us. That you care for us. We ask your blessing on this message. In Jesus' name. Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Webster defines peace in several aspects. He describes it as a state of tranquility or quiet, such as freedom from civil disturbance. A lot of of disrest, or unrest rather, in our nation today. A lot of unrest. I wonder where it's going to end. He also describes it as a state of security or order within a community provided by law. Don't you glad, aren't you glad that we have laws? Aren't you glad we have a constitution that provides a way for us? He also describes and defines peace as freedom from, well, we need to hear this, freedom from disquieting and oppressive thoughts or emotion. Do you know so many millions of American people are disquieted in their heart. Their, their mind, their heart just races and they're looking for peace. They're disquieted in their, their emotions. He also defines it as harmony in personal relationships or a state or a period of mutual concord between governments. That's how Webster defines it. The Bible defines peace. Do you, do you remember the Old Testament word for peace? Remember this? Shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom. But there's the New Testament equivalent to that is a word, irene. Say that with me, irene. So you learned, you went to Greek class today. There you go. But there's actually a a word groups that irene forms, and it forms the ideas of peace. Listen to these ideas the scripture tells us about the peace that God can bring. Well-being, it means. Rest. Boy, don't we need rest. Reconciliation with God. Salvation in its fullest sense. I come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full till it overflows. Well, listen, if, if we're living in anxiety and fear and we have no peace, that's not salvation to the full. That's not the salvation that Jesus intended. The salvation that he gives can help us conquer all that if we'll allow him to. In classical Greek, irene, that word, the equivalent of shalom in the Old Testament, irene in the New Testament, in classical Greek, it really just had to do with the absence of conflict. 
national peace. It's like the Pax Roma. There was a time where there was peace all over the world. Rome dominated the world, and there was, there was like 200 years of unusual peace. I mean, there's barely, there's barely been a decade of peace, but there was what is called the Pax Roma, and for about 200 years, Rome dominated the world in such a way that there was, there was an unusual peace. They called it Pax Roma. But that's not the peace I really want to talk about today. Jesus... Our Lord talked about this yearning for peace. There's a yearning in our hearts today. I think there's a yearning in this room. There's a yearning in this church today for peace. Jesus said this about Jerusalem. He had ministered all over Israel. He had come and presented himself as Messiah, but you know as well as I do, they rejected him. And he lamented what was about to happen to them. In Luke 19, 42, it says, Jesus said, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things which make for your peace, if you had really known, if you'd really taken the opportunity that's been given to you, but he said, but now they are hidden from your eyes. That lament that Jesus is expressing there in Luke was probably Spur uh, was inspired out of a psalm that Jesus had probably read out of Psalm 122, where he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. And yet we know the Jewish leaders rejected Jesus, crucified him, and within 70 years, the Roman general Titus would come in and he would ransack Jerusalem and tens of thousands and even more would be killed. But in the New Testament, Jesus spoke about a peace that was broader. It was a peace that meant well-being. It was a peace that meant completeness, inner satisfaction, Contentment. How many people do you know that have contentment at all? That's something that we've lost in America. Very few people are contented, always trying to keep up with someone else. There's almost like a lustful spirit that has gotten in people where they just can't be satisfied in any area of life. But peace has to do with completeness and contentment. Serenity that is derived from having life to its full. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus because he gives a peace that is quantitative, quantitatively greater and better than anything this world could give. John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now think about this today. This week I was ministering on the phone with someone who I love very much. And I was talking to someone, you don't know this person. They were so full of anxiety. They have probably clinical, clinical issues. This is not just someone that has some, you know, just some depression that we may all kind of go through at times and be a little discouraged. This person probably has some clinical psychological issues. So 
desperate was the words on the other end. So, so desperate, so reaching for just that irene, that peace, that well-being. This person has a hard time even going out of the house. They just have such anxiety, social anxiety, people anxiety, fear, lack of peace, lack of contentment. Like, uh, they have a sense where they're not safe. You can't be at peace if you think you're not safe. But in this message this morning, I want to talk about how we, this Christmas, you know, when the angels came, the angel says, peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'm here to tell you in very simple terms. This is not a complicated message. I'm not a complicated preacher. I just want to tell you in very simple but direct terms that we can know the peace that passes understanding. That no matter, you know, somebody say, well, this is the way my makeup is. So it doesn't matter how your makeup is. Jesus can ta- change our eternal, internal makeup. He can give us peace if we will allow him to give us that peace. Several thoughts today out of this Isaiah text. First of all, I want you to just look at this. I want you to notice that Jesus is given the title, he's called the Prince of Peace, and yet the very Prince of Peace was born into a world of turmoil. You know, have you ever met these folks that they, they have all the answers, but it's in a test tube? You know, have you ever met these folks that they have all the answers, but it's in a classroom? Well, let me tell you, you gotta get out of the classroom and it's got to work in the marriage. It's got to work raising the children. It's got to, it's got to work in the midst of all the pressures and difficulties of life. We know all those difficulties. I don't need someone in a classroom trying to spout what we need to do. I need someone to come and show me how to do it. And that's the Jesus that we serve. He didn't stay up in heaven just giving, you know, heavenly, eternal directives But he was born, come on, 2,000 years ago into a world of pain, suffering, and turmoil. The Prince of Peace being born into a world of turmoil. Prince. Isaiah says he will be a, see all the pagan princes, when they came on the scene, they would bring turmoil and they would bring upheaval. But this king and this prince that would be born would be the true, would be the true source of peace. Only Jesus can give us real peace. In Jesus' first coming, the world was in turmoil. And I want you to know that Jesus' second coming the world will also once again be in turmoil. We haven't haven't woke up to the realization that we can't fix our own problems. Listen, we need a savior. I need someone to help us fix our marriages. I need someone to help me get off these drugs. I can't put this bottle down on my own. And the reason is you need a savior. And we have a savior, his name is Jesus. But the world was in a turmoil in his first coming. The Savior, or the Caesar rather, had decreed that the world should be registered and everybody's moving around. I tell you, you notice how everybody's moving around? You don't need to move around so much. That's why God gave us Amazon. (laughs) Get you some Amazon Prime. Get off 635, you're driving me crazy. 
You can go out at 2 o'clock in the nighttime. I guarantee you around the Metroplex, people are just going, where's everybody going? Go home. Go to bed. Well, on that first Christmas, everybody's moving around. The world's in a turmoil. It's, there was turmoil that Jesus was born into. Herod thought he had a rival king born. And he murdered the little baby boys in Bethlehem. Jeremiah prophesied about that painful event and said these words. The voices, the voice, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And that's a prophetic way of the anguish of these mothers' hearts that, that the murderous, bloodthirsty Herod just without conscience killed those precious babies. How I many know the devil inspired him to do that? He didn't want salvation to come. But think about this. During the earthly life of Jesus, he was surrounded by turmoil. I'm trying to tell you that this, Jesus didn't live in, a, in an ivory palace he experienced all the turmoils and the sufferings and the things that you and I suffer amidst the pressures. He didn't live in isolation, but he lived his life every day with things that were trying to rob him of peace. Let me list a few of these things. One is family pressures. I mean, you know, most, most of us have family pressures. Maybe, maybe not in your immediate family, but in your extended families, you know, you don't see these folks and maybe you're the only one that knows Jesus and you come together and you want it to be a holy moment and there's cursing and there's this and that. Not that you're judging anyone, but yet it just grieves your heart. Jesus had those family pressures. In fact, they thought he was crazy. Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says they, kept, they tried to come and take, take charge of him because they thought he was crazy. There was tension with his, in his family. Don't you think that was a temptation to, be, to not have that peace? And then when Jesus would preach, you know, when you preach the gospel, when Jesus preached, he wanted those crowds to believe, but he preached and he preached and he preached and still, they were unbelieving. They still didn't believe. What about his own disciples who were slow to believe? He had preached to them. They traveled with him. He, they were companions with him. And yet, they were slow to believe. These are things that I'm sure were, were a burden to Jesus' heart. Jesus would be betrayed by his close friend. Don't you know that was a grievous thing to his heart? Jesus was often criticized over minor issues. The leader said, why do you and your disciples eat without washing their hands? And I'm like, who cares? But Jesus faced those criticisms. Maybe you go to work and you have a boss that nitpicks and criticizes you. And you had, a good, you had a great prayer time going to work. You had your music going on on the way to work in the car. And you get to that office, and there's 10,000 things pulling at you to rob you of the peace that you just had not long ago. Criticisms. Jesus was accused of being a blasphemer. Don't you know how hurtful that was to him? The very son of God. But they said, you're not the son of God. You're a blasphemer. He was even accused of being demon-possessed. Don't listen to him, they said. He has a demon 
Who, could, who would do that? But yet, don't you know, that was something that would rob Jesus of peace. And finally, the Bible says in Matthew 12, 14, they plotted to murder Jesus. Well, that'll, that'll keep you up at night if you're normal. These are things that were real to Jesus. These were real trials. They were real temptations. But Jesus is so amazing, isn't he not? When we read in the Gospels about how Jesus was in a boat, and I guess he was so tired from pouring out his soul and his life and his physical strength to others that they got in the boat to go to the other side, and he fell asleep. And here Jesus is in the boat, and he's just sleeping. Finally, it says, a great squall, a great storm arose. Jesus is still asleep. And they came over and woke Jesus up. Don't you care that we perish? Do you know that's the first temptation we all have when we go through a trial? It is. And they faced it too. Jesus gets up. He rebukes the storm. He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the waves. And everything became calm. Jesus can calm those storms. And then he says, why are you so unbelieving? You know, why are you so unbelieving? You have God the Son right here, but they, they were slow to believe it. Jesus can conquer the storms. But I want you to see this. Jesus didn't stay in ivory palaces, but the Prince of Peace was born into a world filled with turmoil. From the very first breath, the enemy was trying to murder him. The Prince of Peace born into turmoil. Secondly, I want you to see this. That the Prince of Peace provides peace. He's the peace giver, but only to those who will follow him. Only to those who will accept his terms of peace. Look at verse 6 again of our text. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. Notice this. The government will be on his shoulder. He doesn't even need two of them. He can handle just one shoulder is enough. Come on, he's a mighty God will be upon his shoulder, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Listen, Jesus has the ability to get to us the peace that we need, but we have to enter into the stipulations of peace. Notice, the government will be upon his. Everyone say his. His shoulder. Here's, here's the thing. The shoulder is the part of the body that bears the load. It carries the load. Listen to me. We are not designed, let me say it again, we are not designed to carry upon ourselves all the pressures, problems, and anxieties that this world has to offer. We are not designed. We cannot carry them. We'll end up, we'll end up popping pills. We'll end up going to get the Budweiser. We'll end up doing something else to medicate ourselves because we are not designed in ourselves to handle all that's coming to us in this life. We'll begin to crumble under the strain. But today I want you to know there's one that can. There's one that has huge shoulders. He can take all these anxieties, all these pains, all these hurts. And he, there's a bomb in Gilead. Now, now when, I, when I wind this message down, I'm going to give you some specific pathways to his peace. Now, think about this. There's a story of the prodigal. 
And in, in the, or not the prod, but the story in that 15th chapter, the prodigal, the sheep, listen to what it says. What man of you has a hundred sheep? If he loses one of them, he does not leave the 99, go into the wilderness, and he searches until he's found it. And then it says, and when he has found it, notice this, he lays it on his shoulders. He goes out and finds the little sheep that's wandered away, and then they rejoice and say, look, we found the little sheep. I just have an inkling today that Jesus is searching for you. He is searching for you in this room today, and you're off wandering around, you're, whether, whether not physically, but mentally, you're out wandering around, and he's searching you out, and what he wants to do is take you and put you on his shoulders today and bring you back to where that you need to be. Why? Because that, our shepherd has great shoulders, and, and, and we can rest in him today. And this Christmas, I want you to rest. I want you to enjoy your Christmas. You won't do it if you don't have peace. Jesus has that power to give us the peace to overcome everything that brings turmoil. How many of you believe that today? He, he has the power to give us eternal peace, internal peace, relational peace, circumstantial peace. We can have national peace. We don't have a lot of national peace right now. I mean, there's, there's stuff going on in our land. We're more divided than we've ever been, and we don't have to be. We were founded on the word of God. We have the, we have the truth of God's word that we have a pathway to peace, but we're ignoring it. I don't know where it's all going to end, but I know where the church is going to end. We could have national peace. I'm here to tell you there's nothing too hard for him. Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power, and nothing is too difficult for thee. You say, I'm a difficult case. The Lord knows no such thing as difficulty. That's not in his vocabulary. He's a God that can do all things, and he can give us that rest and that peace in all areas of life. Thirdly, this will be quick. When Jesus returns to earth, he's going to establish universal peace. Notice that the prophets did not distinguish between the first and second coming of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? As you're reading, you'll be reading along there, and it, they'll talk about the first coming in kind of a prophetic, veiled, prophetic word, and then all of a sudden, you're at the very end, and you go, whoa, what happened? Because the prophets did not distinguish between the first and second coming of Jesus. And Isaiah doesn't hear. If you look at what Isaiah said here, he said the prince of peace would come, and then it says universal peace would be upon his shoulders. What Isaiah left out was at least 2,000 years because we know that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still waiting for the second coming. But I want you to know it's going to come. It's going to happen. And that'll be a day when there'll be universal peace and the lion will lay down with the lamb and all this crime. You notice the crime in the Metroplex? It's just, it's just gone through the roof. I mean, people being abducted in, you know, or, or accosted in parking lots and, and murders that are going on. I'll tell you, there's dark spirits that have been released. There's an unloving spirit of one human being to another. What you're seeing is a lack of true love for other people. Oh, don't we need the love of God? Don't we need the kindness of the Lord to sweep over our nation again? There used, listen, there used to be more of a kindness 
in our nation. We have lost that kindness. We have lost that civility from the top to the bottom. Oh, God, forgive us. But may we as the church of Jesus Christ have a kindness. Let's be kind to each other. Come on. Let's be loving to each other. Let's be generous, big-hearted. Let's be big-souled to each other. Because that's what folks are looking for. They just hunger for the love of God. They hunger to know that God loves them. But here's what I want you to see. This is the most important part of this teaching today, and that's this part right here. We have a 2,000-year gap here from the first to the second coming. He said that he would come and he would be the prince of peace. He was born, born into a world of turmoil, died a violent death, was buried, rose on the third day, 40 days later ascended, and now he's seated at the right hand of Father God. So the universal peace is not here. Have you noticed the universal peace is not here yet? Just open your paper. Go to the section where they list all the crimes. People stealing, people divorcing, people hurting one another. There's a cruelty. We're not in the universal peace. So here's what I want, I want you to get this. We must learn in a world of turmoil how to walk in the peace of God. Okay, the world's probably not going to get better. I mean, yeah, there are times of revival and renewal when, and, and, the, and, and God moves greatly and society becomes a little better. But God is never going to save society. It's, God will never save society. Listen, God will never save this society. The world has a death sentence on it. The, the, Peter said this, save yourself from this crooked generation. The society won't be saved, but what Jesus is doing is building a new society. He's building a church. He's wanting you to get out of that society and to get into Jesus, the new kingdom. That's the kingdom that's going to last forever. The society is not going to get better. In fact, if I'm correct prophetically, it's going to get worse until the end. There's going to be seals opened and there's going to be trumpets blown and there's going to be vials of judgment that are going to be poured out. And in the midst of all that turmoil and pain, people are going to be coming to Jesus and finding grace. So here's, here's what I want you to see. Capture this. In the midst of a world of turmoil, can we walk in the peace of God? Do we have to live in the anxiety and the fears and the turmoils in our own soul or our own families? And I say, no. He said, my peace I give to you. Notice, not as the world gives, give I to you. But I'm going to give you a peace that's quantitatively greater. And you can have it no matter what's happening around you. The world may be in a turmoil. You don't have to be. So here's the question, Pastor, what are the pathways of peace? Now look at me a second. The person I told you a while ago that I love very much, that is social anxiety, they have fear, they're a Christian. They're a child of God. Every morning they're, they're getting scripture, and, but, but yet there's no peace there. So Pastor, is that the way it has to be? Or are there pathways of peace? And I'm telling you, the Prince of Peace, if we'll give him a chance to be our Lord, there's universal peace in the future, but he can be our Prince right now if we'll just invite him in. What are the pathways of peace? I want to give you 
I think seven of them. Number one path of peace is peace through a relationship with God. Now, now we know this. This is self-evident, but let me just touch on it because nothing else will work unless this works first. Peace begins when we have a personal relationship with God only through Jesus Christ. Romans, here's what it says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Look at it. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access into this faith, uh, uh, by faith, into, gra- into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice what Isaiah said. But the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters are ca- cast up dirt, uh, mire and dirt. Notice verse 21. There is no peace. Settle on that. Set, listen, look at the screen. There is no peace, says my God, to the wicked. There can be no true peace in a person's heart that is a rebellion against God, that has rejected Jesus Christ. There can be no peace, that deep, everlasting, eternal peace that comes in when, when salvation takes place and a person's born again and the blood is applied and the conscience becomes clean. There is a peace that is indescribable when a person is truly born again. The first path of peace is peace through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can know that peace today. You can be born again. You can know that your eternity is settled. You can know that you're safe and that you're secure in his hand. I am not afraid of tomorrow. I'm not afraid of death. In fact, I think sometimes I talk about death too lightly and people are like, wow, I am not afraid to die because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Listen to me. No Christian should ever be afraid to die. I talked to a lady years ago. Her lady became my wife and I was a great friend, her and her husband. And she said, Pastor, I want to talk to you. And I said, okay. And so we, we talked. She said, she's afraid to die. She's terrified of death. And I tried to bring the scripture to her that death has already been conquered. Yeah, it will probably be a painful process to go through. But I want you to know on the other side of that is the arms of Jesus. And we can have that condemnation removed. The first path is to peace is a relationship with God. Secondly, the second path is peace through the truth of scriptures. Now look at Psalm 119, 165. Look at the screen. Grace, or I'm sorry, great peace have they who love thy law. Great peace. Say that. Great peace. Have they who love thy law. So my question to you is this. Have you been in the word of God? Well, I'm a child of God. Yeah, I have that relationship that you talked about. Why don't I have peace? Well, have you been in the word of God? Do you realize how powerful the word of God is? This Bible, if you t- if, as you open the Bible and pray and say, Lord, open your word to me, speak to my heart. You just have a session and a time with Jesus In his word, the Holy Spirit can bring rest to your soul. It's called the gospel. The gospel. It always works. 
gospel. Romans says it this way, for whatever things are written before were written for our learning that through, the, through patience and comfort, the patience and comfort of the scripture, we might have hope. You may be in, you may like peace today. If you'll have a time and just open and just read the Psalms, read, read about the love of God in scripture. It's a pathway of peace, the scriptures. Here's the third pathway of peace, and that's the pathway through reconciliation with others. Now, let's be honest. Much of our lack of peace comes because we're in conflict with someone. Don't shut me down right now. You're overwhelming me. You can't be at peace if you're in turmoil with other people. It's impossible if you have this open kind of conflict with other people. What do I do? What do I do if I'm, uh, I don't have reconciliation with others? Two things. One is, if possible, go talk to that person. Go talk to them and be reconciled with them. But sometimes that's not possible. Do you realize the Bible says, the Bible indicates that it's not always possible to have peace with certain individuals. The Bible says, as much as in you, hear that? As much as is in you, be at peace with all men. Why did he say that? Why did he say it that way? As much as is in you, because not all relationships can be reconciled. Some some relationships can be so damaged that it's irreparable. What do I do? You forgive them from the heart. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You forgive them from the heart. Don't carry it in your heart. You say, well, I have this person hurt me. Yeah, yeah, get in line. We've all had that. What you have to do is you have to deal with those feelings. You have to war against those feelings. You may have to forgive them 20 times. And think you, and then all of a sudden those, right? Come on, am I talking to real folks today? All of a sudden, those feelings start coming back. And you thought, oh, I thought I forgave them. You have to keep warring against those feelings. Those feelings are liars. They're lying to you. You say, Lord, I put them, I, I bless them. Begin to pray for them. Begin to bless them. But you can't have peace unless you have reconciliation with, with other people. And if you can't, because I, I realize there's some circumstances, even in families, that are so irreparable that you have to say, Lord, I forgive them from my heart. And guess what? Peace can come. Amen? Amen. Peace can come. Is this all right today? Amen. We need this during Christmas. Number four, I'm almost done. Number four pathway is this. Peace through reaching out to God in prayer. I'm a Christian. Why don't you have any peace? I can tell you about 90% of it's right here in what I just said. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And here's the benefit. The peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Peace is entered into by prayer. As we begin to spend time with Jesus, something supernatural begins to happen. I can't explain it. 
It's not, it's not like, oh, I do this technique, but it really begin to pour out your heart in worship to the Lord and in prayer and in supplication and in intercession. And then all of a sudden, supernatural peace begins to come. What happens? Burdens just get lifted. They're not, they're not as heavy. Cares are lighter. Mountains and things that seem so big, after you've been with the God who's greater than all, those mountains just don't seem near as big anymore. You ever notice that? You ever notice how you, get, you spend time with God in prayer and those mountains don't even seem like mountains anymore? Those things that seem to just grip your heart with fear, they just bounce off of you now. Why? Because you've got the shield of God's peace around you because you've been in prayer and you have Holy Ghost peace that's equipped you. It's amazing. Number five, here's the fifth pathway to peace. And that's this, peace through daily repentance. Oh, wait a second, Pastor, repentance? I thought that's what I did at the first, when I first initially got saved, I repented of all my sins. Well, let me tell you, sin will come back in. And, and listen, we, can, we as Christians can sin. We can do things that we know that are not right. Come on. Now we look at, we, go, we point our finger at the world, oh, that bad world out there. Sometimes we need to look inside. Now think about this. Peace through daily repentance. Sin, when we get in disobedience to the Lord, it disrupts our fellowship with God. Doesn't mean we're lost. I didn't say that. You didn't hear me say that. I said it disrupts sweet fellowship. And what it does, it robs us of the peace that God wants us to have. Disobedience disrupts fellowship. Now hear this, almost done. God will not fellowship with us in our darkness. He will only fellowship in the light. Do you have scripture for that? Oh, I'm glad you ask. First John, if you put this up, First John chapter one. Now listen to what pastor said. God will not fellowship with us in the darkness of our sin and disobedience. He will only fellowship with us as we walk in his light. Here's what John said, 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in, we lie. Nobody do that. No, what, what does that mean, I lie? That means my practice and my confession are at odds with each other. We lie and we do not practice the truth. We have a name of a Christian, we are not walking like it. So in other words, we're not fellowshipping with him. But notice verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what do we need? What we need is, we need 1 John 1 and 9. Put that up, please. 1 John 1 and 9. If we... This, now, by the way, this verse here is not for the world. This verse is written to the Christian. This is your verse. This is my verse. Some of us have worn it out. I know I have. But look at this. We're talking about how to have peace. Pathways of peace. The peace of a real, true, born-again relationship and peace with God. Peace through meditating and spending time in his word. Peace through prayer, peace through reconciling, seeking to be reconciled with other people. And then if you, if you can't do that, just forgive them from the heart. And then peace 
through daily repentance. Now, 1 John 1 and 9. If we, the Christian, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that means this. Let's make it practical. Let's say we're going along in our day and we get angry at that guy that cut us off in traffic. And, and maybe you say a, a word that you know wasn't pleasing to the Lord. And then your heart kind of bit you. You know, your conscience got you. And you think, if pastor had just heard me, oh my. Some of you thought that before, hadn't you? I know how it is. People act all crazy and they get around preachers. Oh, you know, I've been, I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times I've been on the golf course and I don't tell people, like, don't tell them who, what I do or don't tell them. And I just go off and get to the, about the 10th hole or 9th hole and they go, and they've been cursing and saying all kind of nastiness. And they say, hey, by the way, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor here in town of Trinity Life Church. And you can see a go, whoo. <laughs> and then one guy said one time, I'm a deacon at my Presbyterian church. I thought, man, you need a whooping, boy. He was talking, not just, he was talking real bad. But you know, the thing is, is this. If we've done something, uh, what, I've, what I've found out in my life is this. I don't have to tell, I don't have to have anyone tell me what I've done wrong. As a Christian, do you know you have the Holy Spirit in you? And immediately, you know, don't you? You know. You know. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that wants to bring us back to where? Fellowship. So what we do is this. We don't have to do penance. We don't have to do some great sacrifice. A lot of people get into that. And they go for days and weeks. Oh, you know, they live in condemnation. The first thing we need to do the, immediately when the Holy Spirit shows us that we have failed the Lord in any way, we need to go to 1 John 1, 9 and say, Lord, I know this was wrong. I want to openly confess this to you. I want you to help me with this. Father, would you please forgive me, cleanse me, and give me strength to do the right thing. What do you think Father's going to do? He's faithful and just. He's so good and so kind and then all of a sudden, that, that lack of peace and that lack of fellowship, it can be so quick. You just, you feel the change. And you feel like, oh, I have that fellowship back again. Because that's what the Father really wants. He's not just pointing out stuff. He doesn't want one inch between you and him. Not one inch. That's why, he, that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us. Listen to me. Are you listening? Come on, amen. If... He doesn't show you your sin to condemn you, but he does not want one centimeter to be between you and him. He, he convicts us so that we'll get that out because remember I told you, he will not fellowship in our darkness. He only fellowships in the light. And the moment you say, Lord, please forgive me. I'm so sorry I said that. So sorry I did that. Would you please forgive me? Would you cleanse me? And you can't see it with your, your physical eyes, but spiritual transactions take place. Cleansing takes place in the human heart and in the human spirit. Last one, number six, 
the last pathway to peace is peace. Listen to this. This is ind indispensable. Peace through the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Here's what needs to happen. Peace comes, abiding peace comes by abiding in the presence of holy God. The closer you get to him, abiding, remaining, mino is the Greek word. Uh, you abide in me and I abide in you. And you, you, you're, you're living very close to the Lord. You're abiding in his presence. And that presence brings overwhelming peace and overwhelming rest. I cannot tell you the times when the Spirit has filled me and refilled me, and it just feels like a rest. I mean, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you feel physically better too. It's amazing. Not just spirit. You just, there's this rest. There's this peace. What I want to do today is I think I would just like to conclude with a prayer for peace. Maybe this week you have, uh, maybe you've had a tough week. You know, sometimes you've got family stuff going on, and depending on how your family is, sometimes it's joy, but sometimes it's just so much tension. But I believe the Prince of Peace wants to give you that peace that no matter what the circumstance, just like the Prince of Peace, Jesus was born into a world of turmoil. You are in a world of turmoil, but you can have his peace. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Would you put uh, John 14, 27 up again? Just keep that on the screen. My peace I give you. That peace. We need that, don't we? I want us to stand if you just play. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate you being here today, being patient as I've brought forth this word. John 14, 27, if you put 27 up. Just look at that again on the screen. Just let your eyes hit that. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world give, give out to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Now some of us in this room, maybe your marriage is full of tension. A lot of that goes on. I heard, I can't even think who it was, but I heard some husband and wife like, like arguing like in front of people. That's a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? That's a bad deal. That shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. And it wasn't like church people. It was like out of the church. So it wasn't like, you know, one of us. But I heard that and it hurt my heart. God wants peace in our marriages. You know, our marriages should be just sweet, shouldn't they? And, you know, sometimes you, 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 families and the kids are, you know, sassing back. And it's just, that's not the way God wants it. But when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, when we let him be our Lord and ride into our lives and our families, he can give us that peace. So I want you to bow your heads just for a moment, if we could. As our heads are bowed, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I'm not trying to be too personal, but I just want to know who really needs this prayer today. I know we all need it in a general sense. 
but I'd just like you to be honest with me and with the Lord today. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, our heads are bowed. This is not being too personal. But you, you just say, Pastor, I really need this prayer piece today. Let me see your hand. Just lift it up just for a second. Let me put it back down. Amen. Hands are going up all, all over this room today. And I, I just feel like that the Lord wants me to tell you, if you just let him in, he will give you that peace that you need. There's nothing that, through him that you cannot conquer. So let's pray together. Father, we come before your presence today. And Lord, you see the hands that were raised. And I know there's many others. All of us in, in some way need this prayer. Lord, we have to realize, uh, we, uh, we have to acknowledge, and I acknowledge there's times that I have a lack of peace, and it's because I have not walked these pathways of peace. Maybe I haven't been reconciled in a situation, or maybe I haven't been praying like I need to, or maybe I haven't been meditating in your word, or maybe I haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to fill me, or Lord, maybe, maybe we're just not walking as close to you as we need to walk, and then troubles come, Father, and trials and storms, and we've got a bills maybe we don't have the money for, and or or maybe something happens in work in a conflict, and and because we're not walking close to you, and we don't have that shield around us that guards our heart, the peace, that turmoil begins to come in, and that turmoil robs us of the peace that you want us to have, Lord. Father, I'm reminded of Daniel in the lion's den. I'm reminded of Peter in the prison asleep when the angel aroused him. I'm reminded of you asleep in the boat. And Lord, give us that kind of rest that no matter what's happening around us, that we can know the rest of our Savior that we can know that our sins are forgiven, that we can know that every circumstance is under his sovereign control. The devil cannot do anything to us unless you allow things to happen because we are your children. And so Father, today, we bring every care to you. Right now, where you are there, just, I want you just to, in your own way, to just begin to roll your cares on the Lord. If it's marriage, if it's financial issues, if it's emotional issues, if it's job issues, right now, do that in Jesus' name. Lord, we roll these cares on you. We roll every burden on you. Those things that we even came to church with on our mind this morning. We were so distracted with worry and anxiety. But Lord, we give that to you. We ask you to work in our lives. We ask you to heal these circumstances, heal these relationships, work out these problems that are just too big for us. And Lord, our job is not to work them out. We don't, we can't. You never designed it that way. But Lord, what you want to do is you want us to trust because trust brings rest. And Lord, we trust in you. We trust in your kindness and your goodness. And Lord, we rest in your love today. We rest in your love today. Thank you, Father. And Lord, give us peace within our congregation. Let us always be kind to each other. 
Let us be generous with each other. Let us greet one another with love. Let us accept one another with your love. Let us be kind. Lord, I pray for the peace that passes understanding to not only be in our hearts, but Lord, let it be to one another. Thank you, Father. And Lord, teach each of us to walk the pathways of peace. When turmoil starts coming in, that we turn to the word. When turmoil comes in, we turn to prayer, we turn to praise. When turmoil comes in, we just say, Holy Spirit, fill me with a power that's greater than turmoil. Fill me with peace that's greater than anxiety, peace that's greater than fear, peace that can sustain me. Give us rest. Give us peace this Christmas season.